What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Real Estate Investing Fast Track. I'm your host, Greg Helbeck. And on this podcast, you are going to learn exactly how to be a successful real estate investor step by step by me interviewing some of the top real estate investors and entrepreneurs in the entire country. And there's also going to be a bunch of episodes where I'm just going to individually talk about real estate deals that I've done that have been successful, some deals that haven't been successful. I'm going to talk about my weekly real estate investing lessons, stuff that I've learned from the trenches that you can learn for free on this podcast. So if you're looking to level up your game as a real estate investor or become a real estate investor, this is the podcast to listen to. So if you do get value from the show today, please do me a favor and leave us a review on whatever podcast platform you are listening on so we can get this message in front of more people. And without further ado, welcome to the show. Hey, what's up, everyone? If you're not familiar with me, my name is Greg Helbeck. I've been a real estate investor now for over eight years. I've done a lot of deals, definitely over 200 at this point. And, you know, buying and selling houses has been my specialty ever since I got started when I was 20. So I made a post yesterday on a property that I just bought actually out in San Diego, California, where I used to live. I have relocated since to Nevada. But while I was living there, I was, you know, dipping my toe in the water in that market. I did probably one or two deals a year, sometimes three if it was a big year. But I never really did volume there, but pretty much every deal I've done in California has been a massive, massive, massive profit deal. Every time I've bought a house and actually closed and didn't do an assignment, it was at least $70,000 in profit minimum. And then pretty much every wholesale deal I've ever done there was at least 40,000. So, I mean, that's a market where it is obviously not easy to operate in, but when you do get houses there or condos or multifamily or even land, I've done land out there. That deal wasn't that successful, but you know, I got seller financing. But anyway, you can make some good spreads. So I'm going to unpack this deal and tell you how I found it, what I did, and hopefully you can go out and do the same, right? So anyway, this is the house. The address is 15642 Calas de Rias in San Diego. It's up in Rancho Bernardo, which is a really nice area. Houses there are over a million dollars, but obviously this is more of like, a I don't know how to describe it. It's basically like a townhouse. It's one level because usually townhouses are two level. This house is one level. But anyway, without getting too into the weeds, the way I found it was actually from, you know, a stacked data set. The first thing I did was I bought a tax delinquent list right in San Diego. That was the first thing I did. I actually bought a really good data set out there. It was tax delinquent leads. I got it from a vendor, but, you know, I, I bought that list. And then I took that list and I set it into my stack software, which is called Invelo, I-N-V-E-L-O, if you want to check them out, inveloapp.com, you know, great friend of mine, Justin, owns that company. So I put that tax delinquent list inside of Invelo. And what Invelo does is it basically just warehouses all of your information and your data. So you can have all your lists in there, it organizes your lists, it tells you the owners and this, that, and the other, you can skip trace in there. So I had this, this tax delinquent list in San Diego County sitting in there, and the list was you know, all properties that are like pretty much super delinquent, right? Like owes multiple years worth of taxes, which would incline, you know, a bigger discount, right? So I did that. And then in Invelo, there's a way that you can actually filter vacant homes, right? So you can filter all of the properties inside of that software. You can filter vacant homes, right? So, So you can see which properties are vacant. And now just because the software says it's vacant doesn't actually mean it's vacant. They get that information from the USPS, the USPS, you know, is about 50% accurate, but hey, 50% is better than 0%. So I was looking through all the vacant tax delinquent properties in San Diego, and this property came up and I was like, oh, this is interesting. So I went in, I looked at it, 
I saw the property was, you know, technically vacant and it ultimately was vacant. And then I saw that there was like 15,000 in back taxes, which in California is a lot. Believe it or not, the property taxes in San Diego aren't that bad compared to the values of the homes there. So I was like, this looks interesting. So then I did some more research. I found out it was an estate property, which means that the owner unfortunately passed away and that the property basically got neglected. And, you know, I was like, this is interesting. Let me try to find the, the next of kin here and see if I can reach out to them and maybe see if they'd consider selling me the property. Because right now it's just sitting there collecting back taxes and it is what it is. So I turned around, I did some research. I ended up finding the relatives. I, I had to skip trace them. So I used this software called Skip Genie, which is a great software I've been using for years. And it just allows you to basically find relatives and, you know, any anyone you need to find, you can pretty much find through Skip Genie. So I ended up locating the brother of the deceased owner. I actually called him, he didn't answer. And then I sent him a text message on my personal cell phone here. And I said, hey, my name is Greg. I was interested in buying the property at the address. You know, I wanted to see if you guys would consider selling. And he originally said, no. He's like, yeah, we're gonna just probably let that go back to the state. We don't wanna deal with it. We're all the way out in Virginia and we got a lot of stuff and you know, a lot of stuff going on. We don't really wanna get involved in that property. We were just gonna let it go with my sister's property. So I was thinking, I was like, okay, you know, this guy obviously has mentally parted from the property. Like he has not put any weight behind this, right? He's just basically set it and forget it. Like if it goes to taxes, it goes to taxes. Like pretty much accepting zero in his head. So I could have said, okay, no problem. You know, let me know if anything changes. But I said, you know what, you know, come on, let me, let me try to buy this house. Like I kind of persisted. I was like, Hey, like, you know, I, I really want to buy this thing. Like, let's, let's try to find a way to make a deal. Cause I know that most people aren't just going to like raise their hand and give you their house. Right. So I persisted. I was like, come on, like, let's try to work something out. And he ended up saying, you know what, let me talk to my sisters and we'll get back to you. So I said, okay, no problem. He ends up getting back to me a couple of days later. And he said that he would sell me the property on a quick claim deed right? Which basically means uh, in English that they'll give me a deed that supports no title insurance or anything. And he'll give me that. And that's it. It's my up to me to like figure out if the title's good or whatever. And, you know, originally I was going to consider that if I could get it for 50,000 or something like that, I would be willing to put that kind of risk and, and money behind something like that because the upside could be so big. But after I did some homework, I realized that in California, at least, you know, legally spent, I'm not an attorney, this is not legal advice, but in California, you can't just quick claim deed a property that hasn't gone through probate. So no matter what, whether it's a, a grant deed, which is what I ultimately got, which is a good deed, or a quick claim deed, you can't do that until you go through probate. So I told him, I said, listen, I would pretty much be down to do this quick claim deed thing, but you can't legally do that in California. You have to take it through probate. I said, listen, I'll take the property through probate. I'll get the attorney. I'll pay for the attorney. I'll do most of the legwork. Obviously, you're probably going to be involved a little bit because the attorney is going to need to speak to you about certain things and whatnot. But I'll pretty much do all the heavy lifting I can if you guys would be down to just go for the ride. And he was like, you know what? Let me talk to my sisters. So he talks to his sisters. They come back to me. They agree. So now he said he'll basically let me buy this house. And we haven't determined a price yet under the condition that I'm going to be able to basically do most of the work, which is what ultimately happened. And I said, sure, let's do it. And then we had to figure out a price. And he was like, I was basically going to take zero for it. I'd sell you the property for 275. I know it's obviously worth much more, but you know, I know you got to make money. You're not going to do this for free. And this guy was super savvy and super nice seller. And uh, he's like, listen, I'll sell to you at a great price at 275, which by the way, in San Diego is like, you can't even buy land for that price. Like that's like a, a unicorn 101. And he was like, if you take this through probate and pay for it, and I'll, I'll solve it for 275. My sisters are all on board. And like, this guy's sophisticated. His sisters are attorneys. Like, they're not, these were not knuckleheads that I was dealing with. These were like pretty, pretty established people. And they lived on the East Coast, I believe, or at least this guy did. So I said, I'll do that. You know, I said, if I agree to that and we put that in the contract, you know, would you be open to signing it? And he said, yes. So then I got him and all his sisters to sign the contract. And in California, 
until you get something through probate, contract isn't really valid, but it's better than nothing. So we signed a contract. I put a deposit down. I sent it over to escrow and we began the probate process. I hired the probate attorney. Uh, I was able to negotiate where I pay her on the back end and on the front end, which is nice for me, kind of like keeps our incentives aligned. And, uh, you know, we opened up the probate case. And during this timeline, I kind of knew that, you know, it wasn't a guaranteed deal, but, you know, if I could close on this thing and, you know, get it for 275 plus closing costs, I was probably going to be 275 plus the probate fees and all that shit, probably looking at like 300K to get into this deal, which is still great. You know, I said, you know, if this thing closes, it's a home run. And if it doesn't close for some reason, it is what it is. And I knew there were some obstacles we had to overcome to get to that, you know, ultimate outcome of closing on the house and me owning it, which is true now. So anyway, we began the probate process. And that took months. I mean, that took like four and a half months of just waiting, like just waiting, waiting, waiting. I had to get the attorney all these documents. I was living there at the time. So I was able to drive the documents to her office, you know, get all the paperwork she needed and ended up going to probate. And we, we in November, we, we got the schedule hearing. And once again, this is not legal advice, but in California, the probate process can get a little hairy because you have to like technically get the property like appraised, not by an appraiser, but the probate attorney has to basically establish a value around the property. And in this case, obviously I've got the house for like, you know, 30 cents on the dollar. So it's kind of hard to like explain like, how did this happen? And obviously the sellers are legally allowed to sell it for whatever price they want, but there has to be a value attached to the asset in California. So uh, seller knew about this. I knew about this. The attorney knew about this. Property is pretty rough. I mean, it hasn't been lived in in like, you know, three, four years. So it's, it's super dirty in there. It's gross. There's a lot of like, just crap in there and dirt, just filthy. It's, there's no toilets. Like it's, it's not falling over, but I wouldn't say it's like beautiful, right? So we were able to take those pictures and make a case to the, you know, the court and they ended up agreeing with us. And, and you know, they, they gave us an appraisal in our favor for everyone involved without having to object or anything like that, which is great. Sellers obviously knew they were selling it at a steep, steep, steep discount. And, and once again, I want to go back to the point that I just made where they, you know, they were mentally accepting zero in their head. Like they were like literally like, about to get nothing for it and let it go back to taxes. So another thing that I was a little a little sketched about was that the taxes hadn't been paid in so long. I didn't know if the county was going to foreclose. So I was kind of like looking into it to make sure that, you know, we had enough time to like get this thing closed. And then obviously the taxes get paid at closing. So I didn't lose this thing to like the county tax auction, right? And if that was the case, if I knew that was going to come up soon, I probably would have actually fronted the money for the taxes just to not have it foreclosed which at that point would put me at risk because if the seller changed their mind and the contract wasn't binding, then yeah, you know, kind of kind of up shit's creek there, but it was a risk I was willing to take. I didn't ultimately have to do that. But long story short, when it was all said and done, it went through probate, everything worked out in, in everyone's favor. Sellers were aware that they were selling it at a steep discount. You know, everyone was aware of this. Like, it was not like a secret that you look at the contract and you're like, oh shit, that's a great price. And, you know, I ended up closing on it yesterday, right? So people asked me, how did I find this property? I probably got, you know, 40 message replies to this post I made on Instagram and Facebook. I didn't really talk about the numbers, but people are like, how did you find that house? I literally took a tax delinquent list and I used a software like Invelo and I would prefer you use Invelo. I think they're the best one, but you can use other stacking softwares. And I saw that that lead or that prospect, in this case, an address was vacant and tax delinquent. And then when I looked into it even more, it was inherited, right? So it's the trifecta as my good friend, and mentor Larry Higgins taught me all these years ago, you want the trifecta for deals, vacant, inherited, tax delinquent, which basically means that whoever the heirs are have not really cared about the property and they're basically willing to let it go back to the taxes. So if someone's mentally going to accept zero in their head and now they're getting 275 or whatever, 
that's a lot better than zero. Obviously, if this was not in California, it would have been a much lower price. But anyway, that that is what it is. So let me tell you my plan with this property, right? So my plan is I just bought it yesterday. We closed, we funded. I have contractors going there right now to give me some estimates. I got four or five contractors I'm going to shop the estimate around with. My plan is to put thirty dollars to $40,000 max of work. And that's going to include new carpet, new paint inside, landscaping, full clean out, new toilet, new vanity, and just overall cleaning the house up and then doing a deep clean on the appliances and maybe doing the appliances. I don't know if the appliances are working. I'll probably just do the appliances or if I probably won't do the appliances, but I want to just get this property clean and then put it on the market. My plan is to list this house for 675 to 700, depending on what we really think it's going to be worth once the renovation is complete. And the goal here at a bare bones minimum, and I know this sounds crazy, is to net at least $200,000 of net walkaway profit. Probably going to be 250 if everything goes in our favor. But at the worst case, I want to make at least 200 and you know have it become a successful transaction. So that's my plan with the house. Maybe it sells for more, maybe it sells for less. Maybe the rehab costs more, maybe the rehab costs less. But this is not a gut renovation project where we're going to be ripping out walls and doing all that stuff. I mean, it's, a, it's, a, it's literally a single-story townhouse, a garage, right? So it's not that much work at the, at the end of the day. So that's my plan. That's how I found the house. I wanted to, or the unit in this case. And I figured I'd share that, right? Because a lot of people were reaching out to me saying like, Greg, how on earth did you find this property? It was not from mail. It was not from Google. It was not from any of that stuff. Like this seller, here's another thing too. This is where, you know, texting and prospecting can be really valuable is like if you know that a seller would have never called the mail piece because these people mentally parted from the property right if i were to mail these people and i have mailed them they would have never called because they didn't want to sell it right they would have never went on google saying i want to sell my house like they just mentally said no to it but when i texted them on my personal cell phone number that got their attention a lot more than a piece of mail that you throw out so sometimes and i believe texting and calling to a really, 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 really targeted niche list where you know there's probably a deal there if they're willing to sell can be the most profitable strategy you'll ever do. Because if we're looking at like a cost per deal scenario here, it probably whatever the data costs. And the data was expensive, but I already paid for the data the year before or that year, this year I paid for it. So probably $2,000, whatever for that list. But anyway, basically free, right? Because I've been mailing that data and I already paid for that data. So the cost to get this was practically zero unless you want to count my Verizon bill. And it wasn't through a texting software. It wasn't through launch control or anything like that. It was literally on my personal phone. Property should most likely make $200,000. Worst case, best case, two fifty, dollars maybe more. So don't undervalue the power of deep prospecting. That's how you can get some juicy, juicy, juicy steakhouse worthy deals. And hopefully this was helpful. And before I get off here, if you are in San Diego or you're in Reno or you're in the Hudson Valley or you're in Delaware and you have a house you want to sell me, it's got to be in one of those areas. If it's not in those areas, not interested, most likely, unless it's a home run, send me an email, greg at velocityhousebuyers.com. All right, take care. 